please be seated. I do just also want to express sympathy this morning. I think Ian Malins is here, Ian, and I just want to express our sympathy to you on the passing of your brother, Ian, and thinking of you and praying for you. In fact, let me pray as we just come to God's word now. Let me do that. Lord, we just want to come before you now. We thank you for the precious gift of your word, your words of life, Lord, your words of truth. Speak to our hearts, we pray. And Lord, we just want to lift up, particularly Ian and Di and the family, before you at this time of sadness and grief, Lord. Surround them with your love and your comfort, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we are continuing in our series, Who Do You Say That I Am? in the Gospel of Mark. And today we're up to Mark chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles or your devices, you can turn there to follow along. Um, This is such a great story. It's where Jesus heals the paralytic. If you're a Chosen fan, it's uh, series one, episode six. So if you want to re-watch it this week, you can do that just to capture how amazing this story is. Uh, And if you haven't watched The the Chosen, then jump on and have a watch of that. But let me read to you uh, Mark chapter two this morning from verse one. It says this, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, uh, people heard that he had come home. And they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, "'Son, your sins are forgiven.'" Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is God's word to us this morning. And I know this is a familiar story for many of us, but I don't want you to miss and the familiarity of it, just how bold and audacious and daring the faith is of these, these four men that bring their friend, this paralyzed friend, to Jesus. I mean, picture this. They come to, to Jesus believing that, that he can heal this man. That's faith enough. But then not only that, they, when they can't get past the crowd, they climb up onto the roof. They begin digging through the roof of this house. And this is, this is not just some thatch roof. This is a thick roof. It would have been timber beams laid out and then earth packed on top to make it waterproof, several feet at least of dirt packed on front. And these guys begin digging through the roof of this house. Talk about bold. Talk about audacious. And then imagine Jesus and the people in the house as they begin to hear this this um, noise on the roof and then eventually debris starts falling and then a crack of light appears above them and, uh, and you know, dust and debris falling into their eyes and the crack becomes a, a massive hole big enough for this man to be lowered down through. Uh, some people say that this house was most likely the Apostle Peter's mother-in-law's house. I don't think she would have been too impressed about what was going on uh, in, in her house. But I want you to capture this morning just how bold, audacious it was of these people not to miss that. And then 
Jesus says these words in verse five. It says, when Jesus, looking up through this hole, when Jesus saw their faith, it says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. And as I read this passage, I found myself putting putting myself in the story and wondered what if the words were when Jesus saw Nathan's faith, I wondered what Jesus would say or what he would do in response to my faith as I was reading this story. And then I thought about us as a church because it says their faith, plural there, it was their faith combined together that moved the heart of God. And I began to wonder, I wonder what Jesus would say about our faith as a a body of believers, as a church. And I wonder if you were to rate your faith this morning, I wonder where you would be putting yourself on the scale. You know, a scale of one to 10, if one is very little faith this morning or 10 is you are faith-filled, I wonder where you would put yourself. For example, do you really believe that God can transform our community by a move of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that today? Do you really believe that God can bring prodigals home? Do you really believe that God can reach your neighbours and your work colleagues, family members who seem so disinterested in God or anything to do with spiritual things? Do you really believe in your heart that God can reach them and longs to reach them? Do you really have faith that God is the God of the impossible in the midst of that impossible situation that you find yourself in perhaps this morning? Do you really believe that God can bring revival to our community, that he can transform cities and nations by a move of his Holy Spirit? How would you rate your faith this morning? I wonder. And this is important because we're going to see in this story that the measure of our faith is actually significant in seeing people come to Jesus. And the level of our faith corporately is actually significant and connected to the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst and beyond us, beyond us into our community and world. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. It says that the righteous will live by faith. Hebrews 10 verse 38. It says that we are to walk by faith and not by sight. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. And as we read the gospel accounts, again and again, Jesus responds to the faith of those that he is ministering to, and he rebukes those of little faith. It's it's undeniable as you read through the gospels. But the challenge for us is that in the culture we we live, we are told continually that to have faith in God is is crazy, is ridiculous to have faith in God. That to have faith in God is for the uneducated. It's for more primitive cultures that we are too advanced for that. But the reality is, is that we have to have faith every day, every single one of us. When you are driving in your car down the highway at 110 kilometers an hour and you're coming up to a rise and you can't see what's coming the other direction, you have faith in that moment that the car, if there is any cars coming the other direction, they are gonna be traveling on the correct side of the road, don't you? You, you? you drive by faith as you do that over that rise or around that corner. When you go to the dentist, you exercise faith, don't you? You exercise a lot of faith when you go to the dentist that they're gonna look after you and care for you and do what needs to be done. When you drink a glass of water from the tap, I guarantee you at home when you turn the tap on and grab a glass of water, you don't inspect that water. You don't put it under a microscope to check 
or test in any way to check that it's, it's clean and healthy for you. You just turn that tap on and drink that water. You have faith that the water is clean and healthy and has been treated correctly. When you came this morning and you sat in your chair, I can pretty much guarantee that none of you came and inspected the chair before you sat down and sort of put your weight on it to test it. You just came in and you plonked yourself in that chair. You had faith that the people who built that chair built it to the correct quality and standard that it would hold you as you sat in it. Do you see how we, we actually live by faith, express faith every day, all the time? And yet when it comes to spiritual things, we so often struggle to have faith. We are not so faith-filled and we easily doubt the power and the promises of God. And the world will try and tell us again and again, oh, to have faith in God, that's, that's ridiculous. How could you possibly do that? But the Bible tells us that those who live by faith, who trust Him completely, faith like that moves the heart of God. And here in this story, we get a clear picture of the sort of audacious, bold, daring faith that moves God's heart. And the first thing we see is that it's a faith, the faith that moves the heart of God is a faith that is full of compassion. These four friends saw the desperate need of their their paralyzed friend, and it moved them to do something about it. They heard Jesus was in town. They heard that, that he could heal people. And so it moved them, this compassion moved them to bring him to Jesus, to respond in faith. And James chapter two says this. It says, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. See, it's faith that is moved by compassion that moves the heart of God. On Friday, we received an email, a prayer request email from Paul and Alison Hodges in Cambodia who are ministering among the poorest of the poor in Cambodia. And they wrote the following. They said, we certainly value your prayers regarding the COVID situation in Cambodia right now. Cambodia is indeed in the midst of its first serious COVID outbreak and the capital city of Phnom Penh and the surrounding areas has been in lockdown for the past 16 days. Local NGOs and other, other groups have been able to deliver food into the red zone areas and we are hearing some beautiful stories from a pioneer's teammate who lives right on the border of a red zone of how God is raising up Christian Khmer families in the red zone area to be God's hands and feet in food distribution and supply where it is most needed. Please know that God is very much at work in these red zones. And there are some established churches and other local Christian organizations that are well-placed to love and serve their neighbors. In our own neighborhood, we are seeing God use this time of crisis to open up more opportunities to just be with our neighbors and respond to their needs as we learn of them. We are grateful for the opportunity to be here. Once again, just wanna say thank you for your prayers for Cambodia and our family as we seek to love our neighbors well during this time, Paul and Ellie Hodges and their boys. Talk about a faith that is full of compassion. Did you hear what they said? They said, we are grateful for the opportunity to be here. While most people are doing everything they can to avoid COVID hotspots, they are living in the midst of it to bring hope and healing 
in Jesus. This is the kind of faith that moves the heart of God. When, when Jesus saw Paul and Ellie's faith, it moves God's heart. Not only that, we see from this story that it's a faith that results in action that, that moves the heart of God. These friends were so full of faith that Jesus could heal this man that they weren't going to sit around and, and, and just do nothing and wait, but they were going to act. They were going to take a step of faith. And this is the sort of faith that moves God's heart. Right across the scriptures, we see examples of God calling people to demonstrate faith, even when they don't know the fullness of the outcome. They respond in obedience to God's word to them. One of the clearest places we see this is in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. We just see example after example. Let me read you a few. It says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. And then by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. Do you see it? A faith that that moves people to action, that requires a step of faith on our part. This is the kind of faith that moves the heart of God, not a passive faith, but a faith that is active, a faith that moves us to action. An example of this from our own church just recently, just two weeks ago, in fact, two of our young adults moved into the the student accommodation block just two doors down from our from our city venue to be live-in missionaries in the heart of our city. I shared some of this earlier and this vision continues to to move on and they are leaving the comfort, these two young adults of living at home with parents where I'm guessing probably meals were provided, laundry was done, to move into the city, these tiny little rooms they live in, uh, in there in these student accommodation blocks with shared sort of living facilities and shared kitchen and and bathroom facilities. They're living in there. Why would they do this? Why would they leave the comfort of home to go and live in a place like that in the heart of the city? The reason is, is because they long for these students to encounter the love and the grace that is found in Jesus. Many of these students never even heard of Jesus, never even seen or held or read a Bible before in their life. And this moves these Young adults in our city church ministry, it moves them to action to say, we want to bring this message to them. We're not going to sit back. We want to be involved. We want to be active in this. This is the sort of faith that moves the heart of God. When Jesus saw their faith, when he saw their faith, it moved, it shifted things. And not only that, we see in this story that it is a faith that perseveres and doesn't give up that moves God's heart. These four friends, when they saw the crowd, they could have easily said, well, this is too hard. You know, we can't get to Jesus. Let's just give up and go home. Uh, They didn't worry about what people, you know, could have easily thought, well, what are people going to think of us if we push in there? What are the Pharisees? What are others going to think of us? But praise God, they didn't. They didn't give up. They didn't go home. They persevered. And stepping forward in faith doesn't mean that it's going to be all smooth sailing for you. I want to tell you that. The Bible is clear about that. Stepping forward in faith doesn't mean there's not going to be obstacles and challenges or trials to overcome. In fact, just the opposite. When we step forward in faith, we can expect obstacles. We can expect challenges and trials, but the call for us is to persevere, not to give up. 
to hold on to the promises of God that he has given to us. Praise God, these four friends didn't give up and go home discouraged or else this man would never encounter love and the forgiveness and the healing of Jesus. He would never have encountered if they'd given up. And praise God they didn't give up because we would never have seen the power of God at work in this incredible way. It's a faith that perseveres and, and doesn't give up that moves the heart of God. In 2 Timothy 4.7, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. This is how we are to live as believers. This week I heard the most amazing story from someone in our church family that reminded me of this truth. Luke from our church family at a young age got caught up with the wrong crowd and um, got involved with um, gangs and drugs and eventually he found himself in jail. And he ended up spending 10 years in jail. But while he was in prison, he encountered Jesus in this miraculous way. And it totally, completely transformed his life. And he's now been out of jail for 10 years and he's now running a group in a local industrial park in a factory by, in a business that's run by one of the guys here in this church. And um, he's opened up his factory for these guys to meet. And, and Luke is running a discipleship group with others who have had similar backgrounds to himself. And God's just blessing that group. Um, God's working powerfully. And Luke's ministering to young people that were where he was. Young guys who have come out of juvenile detention, he's ministering to them and God is moving powerfully. I had the privilege just recently of being down there at the factory when one of these young guys was there and in that moment, just, just as I was there with Luke and a couple of others, this young guy said, yes, I wanna give my life to Jesus. And together we knelt in the boardroom of this factory as this young guy prayed and said, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. I surrender my life to you. Come in and I want you to, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And I wanna tell you, it was amazing to be there. Praise God. Don't you think that's amazing, church? Praise God. Incredible what he's doing. I was so blessed to be there and be a part of that. And in the midst of this, Luke's been um, trying to get access. In fact, people want Luke to come in to some of these juvenile detention centers and prisons because they realize they don't know what the answer is. It's the truth. The government authorities are coming to them saying, we don't have the answer. You, we can see what you were doing. Would you come in? But because of Luke's past, he can't get access, permission, approval to get in there. It's been really discouraging for Luke and been really a, a, quite a challenge for him that he's been facing. But then, just last Friday night, Luke was taking one of these young guys to a football match. They were on the way home and they were changing trains at Roma Street. And the young guy went off on his train to his house and Luke was waiting for his train. As he was standing on the platform at Roma Street, this guy began walking toward him. And, and Luke recognized this guy as he came before him. He recognized him as one of the guys that had been in his unit 10 years ago, been in his unit in prison for quite a significant period of time. And as this guy came up to him, he didn't recognize, he actually came up to Luke to talk to him, but he didn't realize who he was. And then eventually Luke told him, do you remember who I am? He said, I was in your unit in prison. And this guy could not believe. He said, Luke, is it really you? He said, yes, it's me. It's me. He said, I can't believe it's you. He said, I remember when you came to faith in prison. He said, we all thought that you were just, you know, it's just a sort of a flash in the pan thing. It wasn't real for you. And you were just doing it maybe, you know, to help maybe get out of prison more quickly or something like that. And he said, we all had bets on how quickly you'd return back to prison. He said, but then a year passed and you still didn't come back. And we were a bit surprised. Then we heard that you got married and, and had, a, had a child. And we thought, wow, that's pretty amazing. Then two years passed and three years passed and still 
you didn't come back and suddenly thought, maybe this was real. Maybe what you encountered, what you shared was, was the real deal. And he said, you know what? Luke, he said, I've got to tell you something. He says, because of that, because of what took place, he said, there was a, a whole group of us from that year who actually came to faith in Jesus. He said, I'm actually just coming back from a church service. He said, I've been out now for three years. I've just been to a church service tonight. I was one of those people who came to faith in Jesus because of what took place. Isn't that incredible? Amazing. And then this man went on to list a whole list of other names of Luke knew of other people who had come to faith who are now sharing and helping spread the good news of the gospel. And Luke said, he said, I could not believe what I was hearing. He said, all we could do was just praise God and say, God, you're incredible. You're amazing. And then it was just a few days later that Luke got word that actually permission had been granted for a number of visits into one of the juvenile detention centers. And, and Luke just said, thank you, God, thank you. And he said to me, he says, it was a reminder to me, Nathan, it was a reminder to me that even when we can't see it, God is always working. God is always working. And our call is to persevere, to not give up. This is the kind of faith that moves the heart of God. And then here's the final and most important aspect of faith that moves the heart of God that we see here in this passage. And that's that these four friends and this paralyzed man, their faith was centered on Jesus. It was centered on Christ and on Christ alone. He was the object of their faith. And this is so important because I know that more important than the measure of our faith is the object of our faith. That's the most important thing. So often we put our faith in, in bank accounts or in possessions or in our own strength or ability to work things out. But here in the story, we see so clearly that they were putting all of their faith, they weren't holding back, all of their faith was in Jesus. And Hebrews 12, 2 says, so we fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Just a couple of weeks ago, I received a letter from an 85-year-old lady in our church who can no longer attend services because of health reasons, but she still keeps in touch via the newsletter and she prays regularly for the ministry of Bridgman and for the, for the pastors of this church. And she understands so well what it means to live by faith and she stirred my faith through this letter. Let me just share some of it with you this morning. She wrote this, Dear Nathan, as I read the church newsletter dated 7th of March and the comments made concerning whether the timing was right to proceed with the city venue because of the COVID outbreak, I felt moved to write some words of encouragement. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine. And he has proved that at Bridgie. Some years ago, the attributes of God were flashed up on the screen and while reading Just Give Me Jesus by Anne Graham Lott, she listed the same attributes with the title, Jesus Makes God's Visible. It says this, she wrote, He is enduringly strong. He is entirely sincere. He is eternally steadfast. He is immortally gracious. He is imperially powerful. He is impartially merciful. He is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizons of the globe. He is God's son. He is the sinner's savior. He is the captive's ransom. He is the breath of life. He is the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. 
He is august and he is unique. He is unparalleled and he is unprecedented. He is undisputed and he is undefiled. He is unsurpassed and he is unshakable. He is the lofty idea and philosophy. He is the highest personality in psychology. He is the supreme subject in literature. He is the unavoidable problem in higher criticism. He is the fundamental doctrine in theology. He is the cornerstone, the capstone, and the stumbling stone of all religion. He is the miracle of the ages. Just give me Jesus. Praise God. And she kept writing. She said, I thought with this COVID pandemic and the future looking bleak to our younger generation, this might be a good time to remind them God is in control. God is in control. From one who accepted Christ as Lord and Saviour, aged 28 years, now I can say He is indescribable. It's never been an easy journey. I'll be 85 in April and I've never regretted the decision made all those years ago. Since being widowed at 64, he and I have great conversations. I tell him everything, especially when decisions need to be made and he always has an answer for me from his word. I've been journaling for a long time and it's great to look back and see what God has done. God, continue to bless you all abundantly in Christian love from your sister in Christ's church from joy this morning. I tell you, I read that and stirred faith within me. And I pray it stirs your faith this morning as well. You see, when Jesus saw Joy's faith and he saw her faith, and the most important thing Joy was making so clear there is the object of our faith. We can have all the faith in the world, but if it's in the wrong thing, it's completely useless. Jesus said, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed and your faith is in me, he said, you can move mountains. And so we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. And our mission, church, our mission is to bring people to Jesus, just like these four friends, bold, audacious, radical faith in fulfilling this mission. This is God's call to us this morning. We are to live a faith full of compassion. We are live a faith that moves us to action. We are live a faith that perseveres and doesn't give up. And we are live a faith that is centered in Jesus and in Jesus alone. Because the reality is, unless we will respond in faith like this, there are so many thousands and thousands in our community that are heading to a crisis eternity without Him, without encountering Jesus. That's the reality. You know, the Lord can do anything He wants. He can heal any disease He pleases. He is, he is all powerful. But the greatest miracle, the only one that is eternal is that He forgives sins. And what Jesus is showing us so clearly in this story, He was showing His disciples, He was showing the Pharisees on that day, is that the greatest miracle any person can receive is a clean heart. No more guilt, no more shame, bitterness taken away. The reality is that someday those newly restored limbs of that paralytic man would eventually wither again in this life, wouldn't they? But there would remain in him a well of water springing up to everlasting life because he had had his sins forgiven. His heart had been healed. And Jesus is showing us here that the thing that we think we need the most is actually not what we need at all. 
This man and his friends thought that this, the greatest need of this paralyzed man was to be healed. They thought if he could just be healed, then everything would be fine for this man. But Jesus knew that this greatest, man's greatest need was not physical healing, but his greatest need was forgiveness of sins, life eternal in Jesus. And I know that for many of us this morning, here in person, those watching online, we are holding on to what we think is our greatest need. And we say to God, God, if you'll just answer this prayer, if you'll just sort this situation out for me, then I will be fine, everything will be fine. But Jesus says to you this morning, he says to each and every one of us, our greatest need is not that physical health issue resolved, it's not that relational issue to be resolved, it's not that financial situation sort out. Jesus says to each of us, our greatest need is, is, is Jesus, it's him. He's calling us to come to him afresh in faith this morning. Jesus cares deeply about our physical needs. He does. He calls us to be his hands and feet to demonstrate faith, moved by compassion to those around us. But the greatest gift we can ever receive, the greatest gift we can ever point anyone to is the gift of Jesus himself, forgiveness of sins, eternal life in him. I wonder this morning, have, has Jesus ever said to you this morning, your sins are forgiven? Has he ever said that to you? Have you ever experienced that in your own life? Because if not, I wanna tell you this morning, you can come, you can receive this by simply coming to him in repentance and faith and saying, Jesus, will you forgive me? Just like that young guy did in that boardroom, just like Joy did all those years ago and said she never has regretted that decision once. You can experience that this morning as well by coming to Jesus this morning, asking to forgive you, surrendering your life to him. And for those of us who have experienced this in our hearts and have been called to live by faith, the response for us today is found in Luke 17, 5, which says these words. It says, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. What a prayer to pray. Lord, increase our faith. Or maybe you can relate to the father of the demon-possessed boy who prayed the prayer like this. He said, Lord, I believe Help me with my unbelief. Help me with my unbelief. You can pray that prayer this morning. And there is one practical faith step that I wanna encourage us to take corporately, remembering that it's actually their faith, our corporate faith as well, that moves the heart of God. And it relates to a season of prayer that's coming up, 21 days of prayer for revival. And as I was preparing this, I really felt God calling us that this was to be our corporate expression of faith. On the 30th of May to the 20th of June, we are gonna be joining with churches all around Queensland, praying for 21 days for revival to come to our communities, to our state and beyond that, to our nation and, and, and beyond is our prayer. And I believe that this is gonna be a very significant time as we join our hearts together with believers, thousands of other believers and praying for God to move. In our newsletter, that you received this week or today, if you've received it in paper form, in there is a list of the ways you can be involved. Firstly, you can join us for one of our daily revival prayer meetings as we pray every day for 21 days that God would come, move powerfully by His Holy Spirit in our community in which God has placed us. He would move in this city, in our state, in our nation. You can also join a, a special interactive WhatsApp group that we're setting up for this 21 days where we're gonna be posting daily prayer encourages and updates and you can put on their prayers yourself and prayer encourages for others are gonna be linking in. We wanna join this together as we stir faith within one another. 
We're gonna encourage people, we're asking people to, to hold neighborhood prayer gatherings, to think about other believers who are in your streets, in your local neighborhood area, and then to get together as believers and to pray for your particular neighborhood, your streets, your community, knowing that God has placed you there strategically for a reason, to pray with faith together at some stage across those 21 days. Say, God, would you use us? Would you move in our streets, in our neighborhood that many would come to know you? And then we're gonna post those up on a special Google map we've created, listing all those neighborhood prayer meetings to, to stir faith within us. Added to that, there's a, a free version Bible app devotional, 21 days of prayer revival that's been put together by, by Queensland Baptists that we can access for free on that. We'll print out paper copies as well. And over those 21 days, we're gonna just, just follow this together and ask God to speak to us, to lead us as we pray. We're also gonna have some combined churches, churches prayer meetings, some special ones with churches around our area here as we gather together with one heart, seeking together as His church across this whole community, asking God to move in our area here. And then to conclude on the, on the 20th of June, the final day at 7 p.m., at the end of our 6 p.m. service, we're gonna be linking in with churches right across our state for a statewide revival prayer meeting gathering with thousands of other believers. It's gonna be led by Jason Ellsmore, the director of our QB movement, but it's not just limited to our movement. You invite any believers who wanna come and join us and pray with faith that God would move in our nation. The need is great. Without a move of the Spirit, there is no hope. And so I wanna encourage you as an expression of our faith corporately, that you would join with us, that you would be a part of this season of prayer, believing that as we pray, as we express our faith to God in this way, the Spirit of God is gonna move in power in individual lives and beyond that, across communities, across cities in our nation, bringing life and healing in Jesus. Because when Jesus sees our faith, it moves his heart, it really does. And so you join with me, church, as we pray this morning, ask God just to lead us as his people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us this morning individually and corporately as your people to be a, a people who live by faith, faith moved by compassion for the needs in our world. Lord, we pray for Paul and Ali and the boys this morning. Bless them there. Thank you for their heart, Lord, their heart of compassion. Thank you that you are moving in the midst of that situation. We pray your blessing over them in a special way, great God. And Lord, we pray that we would be a people of faith that moves us to action, great God. We pray against spiritual apathy and instead pray, Lord, that, you, that we would be a people of faith that moves us to be about your kingdom work, Lord. This life is short and brief, Lord. We wanna be on about the things you've called. The need is urgent, Lord. The need is great. May our faith in you move us to action, taking bold steps of faith, I pray. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a faith that perseveres and doesn't give up, Lord, even when obstacles and challenges come in our way, Lord, that we wouldn't let this deter us from the things you've called us to. We'd stay focused on the mission of bringing people to you, Lord Jesus that we would stand firm in the faith in these moments, in our own journeys as well, Lord, when the challenges come, you'd help us to stand firm in the faith and not give up. I pray that particularly over some in our congregation this morning, some who are here this morning, a word for them. And Lord, I pray that always our faith 
will be centered on you, Jesus. You, Lord, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Lord, you're the hope of the world. And so, Lord, we pray that you would be lifted high, that we would bring people to you. And as we pray and seek you over this 21 days, or we are praying that people will be flooding into the kingdom of God. That you come move across our community, bring healing and restoration, Lord, bringing hope and life where there is no hope. And so, Lord, we believe, Lord, and our prayer this morning is that you would increase our faith, Lord, increase our faith, stir faith within us. We ask this in your mighty and powerful name. Amen. We're going to respond in worship this morning. And this song, the singing of this song is an expression of our faith this morning. Maybe in your situation personally, in which you find yourself in, maybe it's God stirred something afresh for you corporately for us and the work he wants to do in our community. I want you to sing it with that way. And if there's something particular that is on your heart and God's been stirring you for, we want to pray. This is a moment to respond to that in faith, to take a step of faith. Maybe if you just want someone to pray for you this morning, if you're with someone next to you, that you know, maybe you just want to ask them, hey, would you just pray with me or for me this morning for this situation? Just, just as an expression of faith. Or we'll, some of the pastors will be down the front here, our prayer team. You come during this song. We just love to pray for you. That's an expression of faith this morning as you come. God's stirring something within you this morning. Don't hold back. But let's be a people who move in faith to what God is saying to us. Let's stand together and sing. You feel free to respond as God is leading you by His Holy Spirit this morning. Let's worship together.
sing even when you don't see it even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working call us let us feel this auditorium stop even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop Come when you lift our voice, a declaration. Never stop. and trusting God. God was moving in situations. I sense that strongly in fact. By us singing that out, declaring that, with whatever level of faith we have this morning, even if you're at number one this morning, as we affirm our faith and trust in God, He moves in power. He's shifting things this morning in our midst, stirring faith within us. Let me pray, Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit here with us this morning. 
the way you've been moving, in fact. For these last week, Lord, you've been stirring within us, Lord. We're outpouring worship on Thursday night, powerful stories we're hearing, Lord, just the way you are moving incredible ways. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you'll bless each and every one, wherever, wherever people are on the journey of faith this morning, that you, you, you long to meet us right where we're at, Lord. You've heard our praises, Lord. You've heard our prayers this morning, and we know, Lord, that you are moving in hearts and lives of those we're praying for, in situations and circumstances, Lord. You are the God of the impossible, and we can trust you. And so, Lord, I pray your blessing on each and every one as we head out from this service, Lord, the things you've done in our heart, Lord. Well, I pray you can continue to help us just to, just to dwell on these things, for that to grow in our hearts more, Lord. Bless our conversations now Lord, as we head out, that we would be continue to be a people who encourage one another in faith continually, great God. And that together, corporately, as we express our faith, that we are going to see you do mighty things, greater things than we have yet seen, and so bless, I pray. Pour out your blessing over each and every one. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer, our prayer to me down the front. They'd love to pray for you. If you want to know more about what it means to receive forgiveness and life in Jesus, come talk to us. We'd love to help you on that journey. But God bless you. Look forward to connecting with you again soon.